Jamie Kemble, Villarreal fan, looking forward to the friendly against Leeds United on Saturday and then the Super Cup in Belfast next week. You get your football library card. But who do you want on it? Oh, good question. Do I get some options? Well, your options are any Villarreal player or Emery or one of the, well, not Vincent Tan, one of the three figures on the cover of Bluebird Heaven, Cardiff City's 10 years of ups and downs and a return to the promised land, published by pitch at 16.99. I got it for half price, uh, in 2018. So who do you want on it? Do you want Mr. Colin? Uh, I'm going to have to go for Mr. Cathola. Mr. Cathola, who was yeah. one of the most talented players at Arsenal. Oh, Santi Cazorla, they really have missed him more even than Fabregas, I think. The reaction to Cazorla helping his team win... Uh, Cazorla's still at Villarreal, isn't he? He's still in the squad. Um, no, he moved, he moved on. So he was, he was actually he was present in the final. Um, he was on the pitch for the players, but no, he, he'd moved on in the, in the previous summer. He'd gone to Qatar, I believe. Oh. Uh, Middle East, anyway. OK. Um, but yes, he is one of the Villarreal Mount Rushmore figures. His presence on your card will get you access to every Sidlow, Graham Hunter, Jonathan Wilson book. Is there a plan? I know that you're writing several pieces a day at football-espania.net. Is there a plan to write a, a, a Spanish football book? Uh, perhaps in time. I'm, I'm sort of new to covering Spanish football uh, sort of day in, day out. Uh, I might consider it in the future, but yeah, it was, a, it was an exhaustive effort to write my first book, so I think that I'll give it some time and, and maybe maybe when we are with the next sort of major honour. Well, it might be sooner than you think if things go the way they do. But this book, Bluebird Heaven, which took 18 months to write... A decade where Cardiff City experienced everything from cup finals and promotion to financial turmoil and damaging controversy. Well, take your pick. Where do you want to go first? Well, I think you can start with the sort of the financial turmoil the club found itself in. Oh, what a mess. And it was such a shame. It ended up with Russell Slade's side not um, acknowledging the fans at an away game. You said it was a nadir. The fans were disillusioned. That must have so depressed you. Yeah, it was. It was a. It was a really dark time. Certainly, did well. There were multiple sort of financial issues. Um, firstly, with sort of Peter Ridsdale and that sort of thing, which came before uh, Vincent Tan and that sort of thing, and then and then struggling again. Obviously, when he came down from Premier League, and you know, the darkness of, of the change of the colour, which um, the change of colour initially was obviously. I wouldn't say covered up, certainly not that far, but it, it was made easier by the promotion. And then when they, when it came down again um, and started cutting costs, that became that became. Uh, a big issue and I was like saying I think as you mentioned in the book there were sort of fans fighting amongst each other and things like that it was a very very dark time for the club you actually um, put a strike through the blues and you said the reds are going up and it was extraordinary it was an issue that touched football because you don't change the colours without asking the emotional stakeholders about it but this was I think an example of the owner trying to change the culture when the owner shouldn't the owner's a custodian I am so impressed that Vincent Tan seems to have shut up and just become a bank nowadays. Is it because of Mehmet Dalman's uh, in influence? Yeah, yeah, Mehmet and, and Kenju both done a, have done a wonderful job at Cardiff. Yeah, it's an interesting transition. I mean, like, like you say, I think for as much for as much as Cardiff fans hate Vincent Tan for what he did, I think it was it was quite impressive, as you say, to the turnaround, the, the acceptance that what it was wrong, um, and the way he sort of 
you know, he's still involved running the club. I think he's still, still certainly puts his opinions across, but he's more interested in running it as a as a happy club now than than what than a successful one, if you like. Even though obviously we would prefer to be successful as well. The trouble with Cardiff at the moment is you're too good to go down and not good enough to go up. Neil Harris is one of the most wonderful second tier managers because he commands respect, and it's such a shame that he's not there. But you get rid of one gruff. Uh, former Millwall player. Are you optimistic this season with Mick McCarthy and Terry Connor? Um, yeah, I think our fans can be quite reasonably optimistic. They weren't, yeah, they weren't close enough last season, but they weren't too far off either. And like you said, Mick McCarthy knows the league as, as well as anybody, as well as anyone but New Warlock. So I think um, there'll be some calls for optimism. I think they can solve for a, for a late playoff spot, if you like. Um, but yeah, you, you know, you, you prefer to have, probably prefer to have Mick McCarthy on your side than, than not, especially Going to last season with, with Neil Harris, I think you'd prefer to have McCarthy over Harris given the experience he has. Mm. Uh, and I'm sure Neil Harris will bounce back with another job. How strange was it to see Ole Solskjaer in the dugout in a Europa League final when seven years ago um, he'd been submerged by what was going on at Cardiff? I don't know how, what history will judge his time at Cardiff to be like. Uh, good thing you've written this book. Obviously, it wasn't very long. No, I think history will probably judge it as a disaster. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think it's difficult. I think you couldn't probably... I think Malky Mackay did well in the early stages of the Premier League season, but then sort of left uh, before a run of games where he can't play pretty much all of the top six. Um, so I think after that top six, it might look a little bit different. But, but you know, Solskjaer did a disastrous job at Cardiff. I think everyone will sort of play the memory everyone has that, that they drew one... A, Drew nil nil one of the games and then he changed three of that four for the next game and lost four nil and that's the kind of strange decision making that he kind of put together at Cardiff and um, yeah and then it got worse in the second season when he was given some of the championship top players like Adam Lafondra and, and some other brilliant brilliant championship talents and just completely wasted them and did, yeah it was just a disaster um, so more strange season in the world but listen he, he might have learned I'm sure he got help from a really good assistant now, um, Mike Freeland and, and, and Ferguson's and and an involvement. But listen, uh, he, he probably learned from his time at Cardiff and you can applaud him for that, at least. The good thing about Solskjaer's reign, I don't know if it was the director of football who brought him in, but the current captain is Sean Morrison, who did give you some time for the book. Um, did you gain any insight from the players into how to be a footballer? from them amongst questions about their role as Cardiff City players overall? Yeah, I mean, like I said, I've been Cardiff quite in depth for, for a couple of years and I think it was obviously a strange time for players doing the whole colour thing because they had to sort of, well, keep their mouth shut really. Um, but then, like fan, well, like enjoying with a sort of celebration with the fans when they did go back to blue, I think um, they will obviously see the, the whole time doing the colour change as a disaster, the way that the fans were towards the team and towards the owners. It was just a vile atmosphere doing that whole time. Even you know, even when fans travelled away with the team, it was a nasty atmosphere. I'm sure the players um, felt that. I certainly remember the, the time where they lost at Blackpool, who hadn't scored in the first ten games of the season, and then beat Cardiff, and it was just uh, a sort of poisonous atmosphere. So that, yeah, I think for a, for a football player, it couldn't have been any worse, especially for someone like Sean Marston, who only recently come in at the time. So yeah, he certainly got a gauge for that. But I don't, listen, once it went blue again. Um, things just started trending in the right direction and obviously players like Marston were part of a, 
the subsequent promotion campaigns and it was uh, obviously like I said a difficult time that, that was sort of reflected by players but it was quickly moved on from I think yeah these promotions there was one in 2013 which was a big year for Watford because Watford did not go up uh, but I think Cardiff were more suited to the Premier League at the time than Watford were but We've got the Pozzos, we've got our recruitment methods and the coaching staff. And we've got a very, very inexperienced manager. Shishko Munoz will be out by Christmas. I think it is very, very risky to give such a manager such control. We'll give him three games and then the fan base will turn on him. Or I'll give you the money myself. Uh, whereas with Cardiff, Mick McCarthy will obviously um, talk to the fans as he did with Ipswich and say, look... We're going to get as close to promotion. I'm not going to do the accent. But the goal must be as close to promotion as you can with the squad that you've got. And you've got a great captain. Uh, is there optimism this season from you? Yeah, I mean, I, I sort of, I'm a little bit away from it now. Um, yeah, I think they can say, I think you know, they're being targets sort of sixth. Spot. I think they'll try and they'll take that given they're not sort of invested heavily. Um, not sort of chasing promotion with money. So just got to rely on experience to sit in the squad and try and nick a playoff space, I think. And the right place to go to discover news about Cardiff City, uh, the inner sanctum, would be the chap who has written the foreword to your book, Dominic Booth, who says that uh, recently the entire fan base has been reawakened, which must make covering Cardiff for, for him a lot more fun. So amongst the press pack, is there a feeling that it, it's better for them to write about good times than bad? But when there is a bad time, it's not perilous depths of the sea. Yeah, I think so. Like, uh, Don Booth is now he's back easy in Manchester covering United so I think Glenn Williams was there now for, for Wales Lions was very good um, any journalist who, who was around during the times of the of that whole disaster that, that covered in our book will realise even like love like this one which almost does feel like a love because like it's not the kind of promotion chasing season that Cardiff have had in the last sort of 10 years or so I think they were really obviously be well aware that it's, it can always get a lot worse and yeah I think obviously that's the almost a thing for life, isn't it? <laughs> when, you, when you go through the, the very bad times, it sort of helps you in the sort of, the, the times just dip a little bit and not so exciting. But yeah, this is football, isn't it? I think clubs go through these things and, well, a lot of clubs don't go through cards can come through, but they go through difficult times and the good times and you just sort of play the patient game, especially as a fan. Well, off the pitch, there have been three astonishing moments where the club has had to, it would, it would wreck other clubs, but uh, firstly... Um, the Sol Bamba situation, which I read an interview with the Times. It, it seemed that if anyone could defeat cancer, it was Sol. And unbelievable that he managed to get onto the pitch at the last game. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I used to, I spoke with Sol a number of times when I was doing, when I was covering Cardiff and just, uh, you honestly couldn't meet a better human being. Just such a soft and kind bloke, despite his size and his, almost his, his mean temperament on the pitch. Um, a really genuine and top top bloke, and couldn't be more pleased for him to have, have come back from this. And, and like you said, got on, got on the pitch for that moment at the end of the season. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's just a, it's a brilliant moment for him and, and his family, I'm sure, and couldn't be more pleased for it. Mm -hmm, because some things are bigger than football, as we saw with the Emiliano Sala um, episode. I don't know if you're if you know more than the public do, but it does seem that certain figures overlooked certain things, and I'm not going to say who those figures were because I don't want to get sued. But ultimately, Salah should have been your saviour and he wasn't. 
because of what happened. So how did you react as a as human being and as a journalist to the Salah episode? I was actually the week the week I moved up to Leicester that happened. Um, so I just came away from Cardiff. Um, obviously, just a devastating, devastating incident. Um, just you know, forget about football and, and sort of helping Cardiff survive in the Premier League. It's just for his family and, and what happened, and it was, it was deeply sad. Um, you know, he can't go into the sort of the issue surrounding any sort of blame, but you know, ultimately, someone lost his life, and it's a devastating thing to happen. And, I you know, just come to, I had just arrived at Leicester, obviously a, a, a devastating incident of their own with their chairman. <clears throat> Absolutely sort of a, a straight, there was a strange sort of link there between the clubs that emotionally sort of sending support and, um, and the two clubs that have gone through really difficult losses, even though obviously Cardiff never, sort of Cardiff fans have never met Salah. Um, it was still just a devastating time for the club, but more so his family, obviously. And then, of course, came the lawsuits and who owns who and when. And it just, you forget that there's a human being and his poor wife is, well, it's, it's horrific. And it didn't portray football in a good light. And the one figure who came out really well from the Salah episode was the man who is holding a trophy on the cover of Bluebird Heaven. Big smile. Was that promotion number eight for Neil? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, that's number eight. Yep, and he's still up at Middlesbrough as we speak. Although, uh, I think if he told Steve Gibson, "I don't want this job anymore. I want to go back to Cornwall, where I'm commuting from," you know that he's commuting from Cornwall to the northeast. Yeah, yeah I think he stays up a week at a time, doesn't he? And he goes back for the back for the certain days. But I think um, with Warnock, his his sort of his coaches take take the sessions in the week anyway. So I don't think so. Such a big thing that he's not there at times. <laughs> well, yes, that well, yeah, that's why he's busy doing what he does. But I've read Glenn Moore's uh, collaboration with him called The Gaffer. Is it just that if you get on the wrong side of him, you won't like him? Because he seems like a really nice husband and father and grandfather and manager and coach and cheerleader. You will find people obviously who fall out with him, especially players. But I think you'll also find a lot of ex-players who will say that he didn't like me and he just told me. And, you know, he's usually pretty honest about things. Um, if he doesn't like you, mate, he'd probably just tell you. Um, and that's the honesty is all you can ask for as a player. Obviously, the exceptions to that players feel like being left out. But um, anyone who's sort of got the right side of him, would, you know, he's a hero to them and, and a sort of father to them. And you would have seen with Saul Bamber through his cancer fight, you know, I think Warnock is kind of the man formed him most days. And um, he will look after his players as if they did his family. And, yeah, and dealing with him as well. Obviously, dealing with him as a journalist, he was... He was good to deal with. He loves the press. He sort of reads every newspaper every day, kind of kind of situation. So <laughs> he knows everything that's going on. He's a smart bloke, um, and obviously very good at his job. Whatever people say about it. Well, we're seeing the end of an era, aren't we? That the manager that leads on sticks rather than carrots. He is a great manager of a dressing room. It's so important. Sean Dyche is probably the best in England at it. Getting the best. Al Bielsa, getting the best out of the resources that you are given, bringing in Julia Hoyler and Sol, Sol Bamba wherever you are. But you say he reinstated the core values. If it wasn't you, it was Dom. What were those core values that had gone missing? Well, just in simple, I mean, you know, the, the fact that the, care, the club started to care about what fans thought um, certainly didn't for a number of years. Um, and he certainly reconnected the club with the fans, uh, both from performance on the pitch, of course, but in what he said, you know, from the moment he came, he sort of spoke about what our family, the club needs to be a family club. Um, and, he, and he had a direct saying things. He worked very closely with Ken Chu and, 
and then it done and they put put together a sort of a promotion charge didn't just have on the pitch that sort of included everyone yeah I think as in terms of on the pitch certainly brought back that kind of the kind of football that Cardiff fans sort of came connected with I mean they had Dave Jones for a number of years and while he never quite got over the line with Cardiff for a number of reasons he sort of is kind of 4-4-2 I know he was more 4-3-3 but I mean his sort of direct attacking football is what Cardiff fans always wanted to see even after Dave Jones um you know, even Matty Martin Kai came in, did well with defensive football and got promoted. Um, there was always this love for, for a sort of direct approach, uh, much different to what sort of Swansea Boom. played down the road, for example. Um, so even on the pitch, he sort of reinstated that value of what Cardiff fans wanted to see from their team and certainly offered as well. You've probably the, the most pivotal figure in reconnecting fans with, with the club itself and, and making sure that the club actually took into account um, people who were... Well, paying the large share of their revenue, Yeah, well, certainly at that level. At Watford's level this season, it'll be very easy after six games for... I call them idiots, but they are human beings with souls and jobs. They are allowed to criticise, but if you say, oh, we got no points, why is this manager in the role? Well, six months ago, you were cheering him to the rafters. Do you want this guy or don't you? Uh, as I say, I am willing to be proven wrong by Shishko. Our front three are a Colombian, a Brazilian and a Senegalese player. And Esmail Assad did very well against uh, Liverpool a couple of years ago and Man U. So who am I to judge what's going on in that club? But uh, your season kicks off, Cardiff season kicks off against Barnsley this weekend. Uh, Kiefer Moore. The great Kiefer Moore, who plays for Wales in Cardiff, will be leading the line unless he's injured. Uh, are Cardiff going to be reliant on him this season? Yeah, I imagine so. Like I said, I'm sort of out of the loop with Cardiff at the moment, given sort of the move and like, covering Spanish football now. But yeah, I think certainly relied on him last season, and he's that sort of big figure that <laughs> you probably need in the Mick McCarthy team. Mm-hmm. Um, I did pretty well as well with some of the Wales, didn't he? So uh, he's a player of sort of. You'll get a bucket in training, but yeah, a very strong and useful player at the championship level. Yep. And then, of course, if you get the 150 million, then you can spend, spend, spend. Um, I like the look of Aidan Flint at the back. And what Mick should do is just pick his 11 and hopefully get the best out of that 11 every week. But Cardiff should finish in the top half of the table. Um, I'm not going to ask if you'll let Kevin McNaughton shag your wife, because I'm above that. But... You note that Kevin McNaughton and the late Peter Whittingham seemed to suffer with the fans. Was that so important at that time, in that era? You wanted fans to really believe that the players were trying on their behalf, and was that missing in the Russell Slade era? Yeah, well, I think not just that era. I think those players, you know, like I said, they were, they, were, they, they represented fans throughout many, many years and, and became treasured parts of the club um, both club legends um, probably will end up on statues outside the stadium as, as years go on um, you know no one's a player who, you know had a fair bit of quality for championship level um, but principally just played his heart on his sleeve and gave everything in every single game and was loved for that reason as well as a sort of personality off the pitch and Peter Whittingham was a, a magic player who probably could have played far beyond the level he played with Cardiff and and just wild fans and gave him a reason to keep paying and come back every week. Um, but yeah, so in the Russell Slade era, 
strange year for the club, really. When I, when I look back on it, I see it as, a, as an important era for the club, you know, in, in that Slade managed to, you know, radically reduce the squad from something like 50 players and radically reduce the amount the club was spending and still make them semi-competitive. Like one season, they finished just outside the playoffs. Um, yes, the football was a bit grim, um, but it, it was a seriously important time for the club and then he did a very important job that was never going to be a glamorous one. Um, so, yeah, I think in that area, I think the, the big issue fans have is obviously the football, the football they played, certainly after they went back to Blue when that issue was gone. Um, there was the football and the style of the play and, like I said, Peter Pretty William was always there and, and like, getting things up, um, as he so often did. But, yeah, I mean, as, as a whole, as, as much as it might be looked at a bit of a dark era, I think it was a, a slate as the years go on. We'll, we'll, we look back on it as a, a very important job for the club. I've just realised, I was at Cardiff City's two greatest moments this millennium, if you discount the win against Swansea in the Premier League. Kevin McNaughton and Peter Whittingham both played in the 2008 FA Cup final, which was won by a goal by Carnu, top, top player, Nuanko Carnu. If you were to put a composite 11 together of the 11 who played in the FA Cup final and the 11 who lost to Liverpool in what I'm still calling the Anthony Gerrard final, which I was at, who would edge out whom? And I appreciate I've just uh, spun that on you. That's a good question. I have to think about who was, who was in the actual teams. Um, well, yeah, I can definitely run through the lineups for you. Yeah, go on. Yeah, remember a few, but go, on, go for it. It's 2012 or 2013, the League Cup final. 2012 was the League Cup final. 2012, yeah. So I'll put the two teams up against one another. So your choice for goalkeeper uh, is Peter Enkelman or Tom Heaton, now of Manchester United. Yeah, Heaton, because... Yes, sorry to bring that memory back. Uh, the right back picks himself because McNaughton played in both games. Uh, Centre backs, you've got the choice of Roger Johnson, Glenn Leuvens, Mark Hudson, Ben Turner, and Anthony Gerrard. Uh, probably go Glenn Leuvens and Mark Hudson. Um, Leuvens was a nice country player, and Hudson was. Left back, Capaldi. Or Taylor? Oh, that's quite a close one. Uh, Capaldi for his long throw. And Andrew Taylor was at Watford when Malky was manager, so he brought him across. Yeah, did, did a decent job. Taylor was a very good, proved to be a very good signing. Uh, mm. Did well in the Premier League as well, but uh, yeah, I think probably quite well matched the two of them. Uh, another player brought across by Mackay was Don Cowie. I imagine he's edged out by Welsh international Joe Ledley in the composite team. He's still been in Cowie's. He worked very hard, obviously, ex waterfall player. Worked really hard, but wasn't very glamorous. But I think, yeah, Lenzi is better playing today, for sure. Uh, and now, centre midfield. Uh, do you want to go for the Juventus and ex-Arsenal midfielder, Aaron Ramsey, who almost single-handedly won an FA Cup for Arsenal? And then, do you want to go with Stephen McPhail, Gavin Ray, Aaron Gunnison, Peter Whittingham, who played in the centre of midfield uh, in the 2012 final? You've also got Philip Kiss and Trevor Sinclair. But you can only pick two or three. Joe Mason on the left, if you want. Well, obviously, Whittingham's on the picks himself. Um, just one of the best, best players of Cardiff in the last sort of, well, probably in the history when you think about it. Um, and a player, like I say, could have played at a far, far greater level than he did. Goodison, he was a wonderful leader over many years for Cardiff. 
um, a very decent player as well. Have I got one left? Well, if you um, pick Aaron Ramsey, you stick Whittingham on the left. No, we'll stick, we'll stick Whittingham and Goodison. Whittingham, Goodison and Ramsey in the middle. Excellent. Uh, which means uh, the rest of them, Jimmy Floyd, Hasselbank, Rudy Gestead, Kenny Miller, uh, Paul Parry, Stephen Thompson, uh, and you can pick Robert Earnshaw, who was an unused sub against Liverpool. Uh, we'll go for Earnshaw just, just for his sort of glory years, even if obviously at the time he wasn't exactly... He was like a mascot at the time, yeah. Yeah, in his, in his prime, he's certainly one of the, again, one of the iconic figures of Cardiff's history. And who do you pair with him? Miller or Hasselbank? Uh, again, both Hasselbank is in his prime. Uh, Kenny Miller actually missed well, Gil Dead Champs in that, in that final yeah, as well. Yeah, he did. So. I remember. And uh, just for fun, the Liverpool team that you took two penalties, um, you were 1 0 up. Uh, ben Turner scored two minutes from the end of extra time to force penalties. Rayner, Johnson, Skirtle, Agger, Jose Enrique, Gerard, Adam, Henderson, Suarez, Downing, Carroll. Coming off the bench, Jamie Carragher, Dirk Kout, Craig Bellamy. Interestingly, this week, Jamie Carragher's son, James, has signed a pro deal at Wigan. Now that we can't do anything about time. Brilliant team, I think. Yeah, no, if you said you were at the game, I think, I don't know if you remember, Stuart Downing probably had the best game of his entire career in that game. Uh, ridiculously good, but yeah, it's a strong Liverpool squad, isn't it? Uh, Stuart Downing, who has just retired this week. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. He's uh, obviously a master. Decent career, no, say set the world alight, but a very good career with obviously many games. But yeah, that that final he was he was unplayable. Well, I think Cardiff have had some unplayable players. Um, just the last word. Uh, there was such a, it was a shock because it happened so suddenly. Uh, he was in in hospital after a fall, and then the death of Peter Whittingham was announced. Gosh, was it last year before the lockdown? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, it feels like yesterday. Yeah, was, uh... yeah exactly on lockdown, March eighteen. Yeah, a devastating loss for for Carl City. Very good human being as well as a player, um, and just another sort of tragic part of Carl's recent history. Um, Except you'll have a statue someday, I'm sure, at Cardiff City Stadium, and. Um, you will find a Cardiff fan who will say a bad word about him. He actually my first ever press conference to speak with him. Uh, so an extra soft spot on, on top of everything else for him. Um, but yeah, a really good guy, someone who was never interested in, in anything much bigger, never sort of blinded by the lights. I think, what do you question, Premier League, but certainly a player who probably would have like thrived in, in La Liga or somewhere like that where yeah. he could sit back and play games. would have been a, a, probably a, tie, a very... A top ten player in La Liga, I think, um, was honestly produced some of the most ridiculous moments um, and did some of the most brilliant things with the ball I've ever seen. Even watching top class football, um, and certainly, I would say, even without bias, probably the best best championship player there's been in this era. Now, unwittingly, uh, unwittingly, you have provided some copy for my book about the FA Youth Cup because famously. Uh, before Villa won this last season's Youth Cup, the last time they did it, Whittingham was in that team. Uh, so he came through Villa's academy and obviously has become a Cardiff City um, icon, playing over 450-odd games. It would be foolish to say he didn't fulfil his potential because he did play at the top level for Cardiff and uh, Villa. But he could have gone higher. Why didn't he? Why did he stick at Cardiff? Well, it was a bit strange. As good as he could, as good at football as he was, and he loved playing football, but it was a part of life. It was like it was almost like it, it was a job, um, and he was he was just more than happy where he used to live um, in Cardiff. He had a good, he had a good fam, family life, enjoyed 
enjoyed spending time with friends and just was, was never interested in, in moving to a random club and, and getting used to life somewhere else. So he's just a someone who, when he looked at football, he's just saw the whole whole of his life, if you like, um, and just saw the, all the factors that were going into a move. And so he's just never interested. He's always always just keen to do well for Cardiff, who sold him for two hundred fifty thousand. And I, yeah, obviously the player would have gone on to much bigger things, but you certainly don't see as much anymore with the money in the game. It's one of the rare players who really sort of wanted to get the best out of life um, as a whole rather than just football. He only missed one game in two years. Um, this is not news to you, but 2010-2011, he was ever present for the latter and missed one game uh, in the, uh, uh, the previous season. Unfortunately... Uh, his best season was probably when he was very young and he played a lot of games in the 23-4 season under David O'Leary for Aston Villa. And then injuries and form uh, pushed him out at Villa and he has become a Cardiff City hero and hopefully the name of Peter Whittingham, like the name Fred Keener, will uh, run on through the generations. Have you read James Layton's book about um, Fred Keener? Um, no, I haven't, no. James, I spoke to James when I ticked off Cardiff because uh, he is a, a massive blue uh, and he's he's written uh, books about um, David Rocastle and Duncan Edwards. So um, maybe he'll want to write one about Whittingham because he does seem a very decent human being. Uh, died very tragically. Accidental death was recorded. Are Cardiff City's current team, obviously they played, some of them played with him, but are all the new signings, do you think, aware of Whittingham and what he meant to the fans. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think it's, uh, it's impossible to ignore what he did. I think he's, like I say, he's probably the best player in championship history in terms of the the actual championship era. And so he's impossible to ignore. And, and in terms of his influence of the club, obviously, his pictures of him all on the stadium. There's actually a, a great big banner there last season when fans were allowed um, that was placed there for for all the games. And I don't think Cardiff fans will ever really stop seeing his name. So I think it's impossible to ignore the sort of influence he had in the club. And I think as sad as his death was, obviously his, 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 his sort of influence on the club will live on. And I'm sure that um, every sort of goal montage Cardiff ever play before a game, one of those sort of dramatic videos they play for kick-off, there won't be any one of those without Whittingham's goals on because he scored ultimately the best goals in Cardiff's history. Well, I imagine that tomorrow uh, against Barnsley, because I think it's at uh, Cardiff, there will be a standing ovation for the memory of Peter Whittingham. Uh, and I hope you get to watch the game against Barnsley. Will they be screening it on iFollow? Yeah, I believe so, yeah. Okay. yeah. Like the, the fans, obviously, in the UK, is, I don't know if you can watch it this season, give the fans a back, allow back in. Usually it's usually only available abroad, isn't it? Mm, uh, something for Mehmet and Ken Chu. To chew over, sorry. Uh, in the meantime, you got the Super Cup game because your your heart is yellow now. It used to be blue, then it was red for five minutes, and now it's then it was blue again, <laughs> and now it's yellow. So you've ticked all the primary colours off. Who would win if Real played Cardiff with their strongest 11s? I think you know the answer to that one. <laughs> and that is a good place to end it. Gracias por todos, uh, Jamie Kemble. You can find his work at football-espana.net, and there's a lot of it. Uh, and you can also read his book, Bluebird Heaven, Cardiff City's 10 years of ups and downs and a return to the promised land. And I'm sure if you send it to Neil Warnock, he will sign it. Yeah, I hope so. Yes, I did.